everybody. Welcome back to What Is Past Is Prologue, episode four. I'm the past. And I'm the prologue. And on this show, we normally talk about usually geeky things that we both enjoy. Yeah, we're usually pretty nerdy, things we think people would like to get a perspective of an older and a younger person on, that kind of thing. Our our last podcast was on food, which isn't necessarily nerdy. And by the way, uh, going back through that podcast, I actually found a category that we missed. Totally, we, totally missed it. Man, how did we, how'd we pull that off? Pizza. Oh, wow. We were dumb. Yeah, we, we, were, we were very delinquent. So, How dare we? Uh, let's fix that right now. Yes. Okay. So bonus round, pizza preferences. You first. Um, if I have just regular pizza, um, I'm, I'm going to go to Monocle's. And uh, it's. I know that for uh, eat, eating out, it's pretty expensive, but... Man, I love their pizza. I agree. I think Monocle's is more accessible than what I'm about to say, since we don't live near a place where my personal I would eat all the time is. Um, I am an Emo's pizza fan. The square beyond compare, oh, baby. Oh, you are not kidding. That okay. is, if I had to pick a second one, it would be Emo's. And the only reason I would not say it's my first choice overall for a pizza joint is because there's literally not one close enough to where we live. Yeah, to we've got to run there. down by St. Louis to get into those. Yeah. It's a more St. Louis, Missouri area. All right, pizza so, chain. uh, we have what we call pizza club. Yes. Pizza club pizza. And that is when we eat at Monocle's, we will get either a medium or a large, depending on how hungry we are. Yes. And it has to have extra cheese, sausage, mushrooms, minced garlic, and seasoned chicken. So if you want to be part of Pizza Club, if you have a Monocle's Pizza in your area, just start getting that pizza every time you go. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. And we threw your mom and your sister out of Pizza Club. Yeah, although to be fair, the pizzas they get are pretty good too. Ours is just better. Yeah, it's ours is best. So, and we have to have a majority vote in order to add or subtract toppings to pizza yes the chicken was not always on the pizza and then i was like hey chicken's good on pizza we should try it and then it was good so we kept it (laughs) and i had never eaten at emo's before until uh, we ran down to st louis one i don't know been a few years back now yeah and you talked me into it I mean, it wasn't that hard. It was pizza. And there was an initiation that you have to go through because the reason that Emo's Pizza is different is because they use a different cheese. They don't use a mozzarella. So if any of you know what provolone cheese is, this is a more processed version of that called Provel cheese. Yeah. And it's not something that you would normally associate with pizza. Or really anything for that matter, if I'm being completely honest. But they have these cheese bites, and the way you introduced me to it was right. You had me eat a few of the cheese bites first. At least three. No more more than like five, no fewer than three. And that kind of got my palate set for when the pizza arrived. I think if you hadn't done that, I wouldn't have liked it near as much. Yeah, you kind of have to get used to it. Because um, one of my very best friends in the world, who is also, he enjoys pizza quite a bit, he completely dislikes emos just because of the cheese, and it makes me so sad. That's too bad. But uh, so anyway, yeah, bonus round for the for the food episode uh, bleed over. I can't believe we forgot pizza. Yeah, that's that's inexcusable. We should be ashamed. But this episode, we're kind of back to nerddom. Yes, we are definitely back to nerddom, and again, also back to spoilers as a result. So, oh, absolutely. Yes, do not expect this to be a spoiler-free episode. Warning you right now: if you're not into spoilers, please leave immediately. But if you're listening to our nerdcast and you haven't seen this show, you just need to quit listening to us and go watch it. Yes, because literally, you can binge the whole thing in a day, including the spinoff movie. I might add, like literally one day. That's all you need. So this week we are talking about the series Firefly. By Joss Whedon. That's right. Which most, if you're a nerd at all, you've probably heard this man's name. Yeah, I mean, he is, uh, he's been called the king of the nerds. God of the nerds. God of the nerds. That's better than king. (laughs) (laughs) So um, first we should say, uh, what is it? It's a television show. Yes. Um, And it was, it aired 
late 2002 to the mid, or at least early 2003. Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. Um, and the, uh, you, you already said the creator, Charles Wheaton. Yes. And, uh, also of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame, and, Avengers. Yes, Avengers. He directed the first two Avengers movies as well before the Russo brothers took over. Right. So, um, you know, this was kind of his brainchild as kind of a space western. Which I'm super down with. Like, I'm not a huge western fan, even though we come from a family who very much enjoy their westerns. But I am a huge sci-fi nerd. So these two combining was definitely interesting for me when I was old enough to watch the show and appreciate it. The cast, um, probably most of you know the name uh, Nathan Fillion. Yes, Nathan Fillion. He's actually one of my favorite, personal favorite actors, because I've liked him in pretty much everything he's done, even the things that aren't that great. He did the series Castle. Yes, I love Castle. Castle's wonderful. Which was really good. Also, yeah, if you haven't seen Castle, watch at least two seasons of Castle, and then watch the rest because you're obsessed with Castle. Um, and then, um, it was Gina Torres, is that right? Yes, Gina Torres. She's been in a few other movies, I believe. I don't see her as much as some of the other cast members, surprisingly. And then, um, one of our personal house favorites, Adam, um, say the last name, Adam, it's T-U-D-Y-K. Oh, Alan Tudyk. Alan. Yes, Alan no, Tudyk. Oh, um, it's Adam Baldwin. Yeah, Adam Baldwin is also in the and show, Alan, but Alan Tudyk, and, yes. And Alan Tudyk. Also, Adam Baldwin's pretty, any of the Baldwins are pretty decent, yeah. always. But yeah, no, Alan Tudyk is a house favorite. He's um, Also, he should just be some of everyone's favorites. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and he was in another one of my uh, favorite fun movies to watch, which was uh, A Knight's Tale. Oh, yeah, he was in that, and he was also in iRobot. Did you know that? He was Sunny. He was Sonny's yes, voice in iRobot. Yes, he was. Did you not know that? He's an icon. If I knew that, I had forgotten it. He's also been in a bunch of Disney stuff. He was the Duke of Wesselton. I knew that. I knew um, that. And he was Hey, Hey, the Chicken in Moana. <laughs> but if if you haven't seen his name in in credits for things like this, you're just not been watching. He's in a ton yeah, of he, stuff. He, just, he does so much voice acting and just acting work in general. I kind of want to see him in a Wes Anderson movie. I think he'd be really good in one of those. So, um, the if we talk about Firefly, the first thing that we need to tell you is that it had a very tragic run on the Fox network. Uh, yes, and if you have even vaguely heard of Firefly from any fan, you will know that it was tragically canceled after one season. A half a season. Yes, the whole season was filmed. They did not air the whole show on. They didn't film the entire season. I thought they did, they, even though they you, didn't You are right. They didn't show all of them. They didn't show Heart of Gold or Objects in Space. Yeah, it was like the last two, I think. But... Um, they didn't even, I think that the season was supposed to be a few more episodes. I could be wrong. I'll, I'll look that yeah. up, but, um, but yes, they didn't even show them all. So if, for those of you that go back far enough, Fox used to be the network for risk taking. They, they weren't even a fully fledged network yet. They were buying airtime from established networks and just showing shows and, they had, they came up with stuff like The Simpsons, which no one else would have touched with a 10-meter yeah. cattle prod. If any of you watched Glee from 2009 onward, they were the Glee people. So this was a risk-taking network, and uh, this show came on, and for whatever reason, um, I don't know if it was a, a problem between the creator and the network, or if it was just really bad handling, maybe both, but... First of all, the series was meant to be watched in order because even though each episode can be watched and enjoyed unto itself, it is part of an overarching storyline. And they didn't even show the pilot episode as the first episode. They showed the train job as the first episode. Yes, and that's episode two. And so, yeah, so they were airing them out of order. They didn't show the pilot. They did finally show the pilot, I think, at the very end of the run. And uh, they did, th first of all, uh, they put it in the time slot of death. Uh, Friday evenings, nobody watches television. They're all going out. And But it was still one of the most highly rated sci-fi shows. And it was like the most heavily recorded 
show to be viewed later, according to Nielsen ratings. Was that something that, like, helped keep shows on the air? Because now, like, with the Walking Dead type era where you can, like, hey, if we're not here to watch this show in the moment, but it still gets a bunch of DVR recordings, we kind of count that towards views. Was that a thing back in 2002? You know, I I, I don't know how they counted it back then. Um, we've only been a, a Nielsen household once, and it was only for part of a year, I think. Oh, okay. And so I, I honestly couldn't tell you. But again, this was the better part of 20 years ago. Yeah, I was going to say it was 2002. I was two. So Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, and, and not only that, but they changed when it aired at least once, I think twice. And a, a new episode of Firefly was set to come out on one weekend, Friday, Saturday, and they preempted it to rerun a baseball game. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you can, how many people watch that baseball game? I bet it was three. And yeah, it wasn't even live. It was a rerun. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it was probably three people. So I was, um, yeah, I had salt. I still do. Yeah, definitely not no salt. There was much salt. Yeah, there was. Um, so we were talking about cast members before. I do want to mention one in particular, Ron Glass. Oh, man. Yeah. So Ron Glass played Shepard Book on the on on Firefly, but way, way before Firefly, he played in a sitcom called Bernie Miller. It was about a, a police precinct. And I actually used to watch him in that show. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't know that about you, actually. <laughs> we talk about Firefly all the time and you've never told me that. Yep. It's uh, so... Um, I was, I was glad to see him and something else that I was watching. Yeah, and also rest in peace, Ron Glass. We miss you. Yeah. It's sad that I say it's been what two years now. I think uh, maybe not quite. Yeah, at least yeah. So yeah. So Good man. Uh, and then, uh, like we were saying, Fox really mishandled the show. They canceled it without even airing all of the episodes. However, um, Joss Whedon wanted to. Uh, farm it out to another network and he had a lot of support from a very loyal fan base unfortunately the fan base just wasn't large enough yet but there were millions of people watching this show i think that firefly had uh, i don't yeah i don't want to say that i think that it had game of thrones first season numbers though that's a fair assumption, especially for 2002, even yeah. if it wasn't necessarily exactly, it would probably be something equivalent. And, you know, Game of Thrones had a very long run. Yeah, all things considered, eight seasons is pretty and, standard. Uh, and Fox couldn't even be bothered to air all of Firefly's filmed episodes. But well, Yeah, so you have to also take into account now, like, I can use uh, the show Lucifer as an example here, which actually might have also been a Fox show. I actually don't know. Don't quote me on that. But... Um, Netflix exists now, and Netflix took on that show. I guarantee you, if Netflix had existed back in 2002, we would still have a Firefly. And or at the very least, we would have had a longer run of Firefly, yeah. if that were if there was that much fan support, like you're saying. I don't remember when Netflix actually showed up, but originally, they weren't streaming. They, no, they you were could just only just get discs. on and get discs in yeah. the mail. Um, but anyway, this uh, this very loyal fan base, they gathered up their money, and they ran ads in big newspapers, like full-page ads, to save Firefly and to get Fox to try to reconsider, which they didn't. But um, they did try to farm it out to a few other networks. Amongst them was the Sci-Fi Network. And Sci-Fi turned them down because they were doing Battlestar Galactica at the time. And I'm like, you're a Sci-Fi Network. Why can't you do two shows? I don't know. Maybe they figured... I don't know if it was a budget thing, and they, and especially if Battlestar was doing well. And they're like, hey, maybe we should put focus into Battlestar, which we know is doing well. It's like, yes, Firefly has this ardent fan base, but if we can't keep up the product they want, it, it might not end up being a good deal. And, uh, and and I will say I enjoyed Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I, was I even enjoyed the original run, which was like a disco in space. Yeah. But um, The 2000s version is better, though. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will say that. Although I did have a... I had a little conflict watching Battlestar because in the original Boomer was um, a man. Yeah. And in the new Battlestar, she was a hot Asian. And I'm like, 
oh my. <laughs> but then I'm like having, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It's happening right now. <laughs> I can't love Boomer like that. So, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, back to, back to Firefly. So you had this group of people that called themselves Browncoats, uh, and because that was part of the show, uh, the resistance fighters in the show were called Browncoats and, um, they tried to get it brought back. Um, even after failing to get the, the show farmed out to another network though, Joss did get a follow-up movie called Serenity, which was the name of the Firefly, Firefly class. Uh, transport ship that they all ran around in and so it did kind of give a little closure yeah it i enjoyed the movie quite a bit i kind of wish they'd had two movies instead of just one i think they could have done a little bit more with some of the stuff i felt was slightly more rushed in just the one movie but i think they knew they were probably only going to get one movie so they had to speed things up a little bit all right, so, um, and the idea, like I said, it was it was kind of a Western set in space. Yeah, pretty much. Um, there were, uh, the the premise of the show is essentially that there um, were, colon- Earth was kind of used up. So uh, humanity colonized other planets, and the, the, the new uh, solar system that they found to colonize planets in was the were the core planets and they made them very rich and technologically advanced and that sort of thing and then there were the outer rim planets that were very poor and um, had almost like old west style you know technologies yeah, they had to make do with like steel plows and horse-drawn carriages and right. like cattle ranches and just not near as much industriousness so it, it, it was kind of neat to see the the duality between them you know the core planets had a a system of credits to use as money. There was a lot of bartering and that sort of thing on the outer planets. Um, so, um, so let's talk about, uh, and well, uh, let's finish with, I guess what the, what, so it was kind of this, this Western in space and it was a captain and his crew that were, uh, trying to survive away from Alliance control because, once these, you saw the, the inner planets that formed the Alliance, they waged a war against the outer rim planets to take over everything. And in that war, the resistance fighters that we said were called Browncoats and the captain of Serenity, uh, Malcolm Reynolds, he fought with the Browncoats and so did his first mate, Zoe. Yes, uh, Mal Reynolds was a sergeant in the war against the inner planets. Right, so... Um, and then once the resistance lost the war, uh, in order to stay away from Alliance control, he bought himself a transport ship and started taking whatever jobs he could get. And he gathered up his crew. Um, he got a, a, a pilot, uh, a mechanic and ended up with, um, a doctor and his sister and also the shepherd, which was, uh, the shepherd's like a religious man. And um, he also got some hired muscle, and right. he got um, what they lovingly call an ambassador. Yes. But <laughs> so, we'll, we'll talk about her here in a little bit too. So the um, so it was a nine person ensemble cast. Yes, which uh, keeping an ensemble cast that large to you know make the, making them all interesting is sometimes a challenge. So yeah, I absolutely agree. And uh, this. In this case, I think that most of them got their fair share of airtime and story time, with the possible exception of the shepherd. I think he was coming due, though, because yes. you got a lot of foreshadowing in, in some of the episodes about how, first of all, he knew way too much about violence to have always been And they shepherd. made a lot of not very subtle remarks. It's like, how does a preacher know, like, oh, these alliance codes or whatever? It's like, right. huh, huh, well, maybe... And that's another reason I think that um, two movies would have been good because they didn't, it was, again, the shepherd never really got that level of closure, I felt like. And what was given was very not, it was like, but I want to know, I want to know what happened really. And the, so we got in the movie, we got to meet something called an Alliance operative, basically an assassin. And he was skilled in all kinds of ways to kill you. 
And it is my theory that Shepard Book had been an Alliance assassin prior, or not an operative yeah. prior. I almost agree with you because I kind of operated on a similar wavelength. I don't think he was an assassin. I think he was the one who led the group of assassins. I think he was the one who sent the assassins out to do things. Oh, there you go. I think he was high enough up that he was... Because obviously it's like, oh, there was one episode where he gets pretty badly injured and they have to take him to an Alliance hospital. And he has very high up access codes. And they're like, what the heck is happening here? And... But they let him go and everything, but it's never really, it's like, all right, so what is what does this man have his secrets behind? I think, especially, like you said, I wouldn't have been surprised if he was an operative, but I think it's just as likely that he was the head of all the operatives. That's my personal theory. So, this show won a lot of awards. Yes. Um, Which I actually didn't know for a long time, because, like you said, the run just overall was very much botched yeah so it won a uh primetime emmy award in 2003 really yes i actually didn't know that and the academy of science fiction fantasy and horror films in 2004 saturn award for best dvd television release i did know about the saturn stuff uh same academy uh in 2003 um nathan won the um oh face of the future award or something like that interesting and uh and then it was nominated in 04 actually in 03 for a hugo for best dramatic presentation short form and it was also nominated in 04 for hugo's uh same thing best dramatic presentation short form and best uh well there were two uh nominations for that um, that, that same award. And then, um, motion picture sound editors of the U S in Oh three nominated for the golden reel award, uh, online film and television association in 2018. Um, it was the, um, hall of fame for television programs that i actually won did that. Know. Yeah. I remember that actually uh, nominated by that same association, and 03 for best visual effects in a series. Which makes sense for 03 effects, because they were actually, even now, they still hold up pretty still well. Hold up okay. Yeah. yeah. I would say, obviously, it's not perfect. It's like, hey, that's 2002 every now and then, but but you're also like, hey, you know what? That holds up fairly well for an old sci fi show. Satellite Awards 04 uh, won a Golden Satellite Award, best DVD extras, and also the SFX Awards at the UK in 04. Uh, it, won, it was nominated for best TV show. And then it had a couple of, it won a award for the Visual Effects Society Awards in 03 for Best Visual Effects in a Television Series, and then nominee for um, uh, Best Compositing in a uh, Televised Program. So, yeah. I, did, I literally, I don't know why I didn't know it won an Emmy. That, yeah, isn't that I, crazy? Yeah. So. Um, I feel like of all the awards, I knew about the Saturn Awards and I knew about the Hall of Fame. But uh, I had no idea about the Emmy. Um, but that's great. It deserves it. It deserved more than one Emmy, if I'm being completely honest with you. But, you know, what can you do? Yeah, it was um, definitely well-received by everybody but Fox. Poor Fox. <laughs> so, if only you knew what you had. Yes. So, um, all right, so let's talk about the crew, uh, the, the nine-person cast. So uh, there's the captain. Malcolm Reynolds. Yes. And I think originally he was supposed to be more of a anti-hero. And he kind of is still, but they made him much more moral. I think what I read at one point was the Mal in the movie is closer much to closer what to, yes. Joss had in mind originally. Although I actually like it. I like both more, like, the more dark and the slightly more lighthearted interpretation of him. But I like that the TV show focused more on the lighter interpretation, and then we had the movie because it shows that there can be... I think that makes a better anti-hero if there's these two more dramatic sides to this person. All right. I think that um, if it had just been 
the way he was in Serenity the whole time, he would not have been quite as compelling of a character. And I will tell you why I agree with you so much, and that is the next character, his first in command, um, Zoe Washburn. And because she was so stolid and so serious all the time that if Mal had been that way as well, I think it would have gotten stale. Yeah, I think so too. And they play off each other very well. I actually think Zoe is the most underrated char- character in the show by far. I will talk about her a little more later. But um, okay. I like, especially in the moments where it's like, even if they're just like walking up to the bridge together talking, it's like you feel like they've got an old rapport there. Like you can, they've been together forever. I agree. I, Mal's a better character because of her. Yes. And she's a better character because of him. So, and uh, I, I mentioned her last name was Washburn, and that is, uh, that leads us to our third character in the cast, uh, Hoban, or Wash, Washburn. Yes, we, uh, Wash is... He's the pilot. He is actually amazing. And it should be noted, Mal is also a pilot. Mal can fly the ship. Yep. But he is aware that he is not the most experienced pilot, so... He and went, Wash really is a good And pilot. Wash knows what he's doing. Right. So he was willing to put his ship in Wash's hands, even though it was, like, it's his, like, this ship is going to be his life. Like, this is something he's taking for himself. It's like, yes, I could do this, but this is how I could do it better. And then the uh, the next character, part of the regular crew, uh, Kaylee Fry, the mechanic. Yes, she's literally the sweetest human being. She's, like, your girl next door, best yes. friend your entire life. Nothing bad should ever happen Complete, to her. Type deal. And completely innocent, and just—I mean, she's she's just so uh, happy in a in a world that is not necessary. It's kind of gritty, and she sees the light side of things. Yeah, and I like that. Um, even though it's like, yes, she lives in a grittier world. She states like she gets in. Da- she'll be. She's very protective of what she loves and who she loves. But she does it in a way that never feels like she's being overly mean about it. She's like, no, this is just how it is. And it's like, you feel like, even if you're ne- not necessarily in the wrong, you're like, oh, maybe I am in the wrong here. Like, mm. she can make you feel that way. And I like that. Um, and then, uh, so that's the, the, the last member of the crew proper until they hired on some muscle. And uh, that was Adam Baldwin's character, Jane Cobb. Jane, Jane is just, he's literally, he's like if a high school jock got put in a grown man's body and shot into space with a gun. That is Jane Cobb as a character, a, and he's a, a, so funny. No, no, no. It, could, it couldn't have been a high school jock, because Jane wasn't that well educated. You know, you know he probably <laughs> lied to get himself into high school, because... There's no way he's a middle school jock mentality, but, <laughs> you know, same, uh, same kind of deal. And then uh, in order to uh, supplement his income for the ship, Mal took on a bona fide companion, which if you think uh, licensed space hooker, that's kind of what it amounts to. Yep, pretty much. Uh, but they take high-end clientele. Yes, they are actually very well respected, which is... I like that interpretation, like, most of the time when you see, for lack of a better term, like, out in the verse, they would be called whores, but these are, like, you're well-respected, like, these whores will, like, they're just here, but also, you don't want to mess with them, because people will be like, oh, well, this companion association will no longer serve you, and then you kind of, like, wait a minute, am I in the wrong here, even though I think, like... (laughs) I don't know. It it deals with the morality of jobs like that and how people perceive them uh, in a very interesting way. And uh, we we talked about the shepherd for a little while, so a religious person. So in the pilot episode, um, it was funny because the shepherd was uh, he had a moral dilemma, and he went to the companion to talk to her about it, and. It it played out like she was giving him absolution. It was so yeah, it was really cool, wonderful. Yes. Um. So, uh, okay. So that was uh, and and then they uh, they did pick up the shepherd as a fare, 
I'm not sure why he didn't get off after that after that trip. I'm glad he stayed. But. Yeah. He was like, I don't know. These people are weird and interesting. I could stick around. So he stayed because he said there was sinners of plenty there. But, uh, yeah. the, uh, and then, um, they, and then they picked up another fair, actually at the, at the same time, um, a doctor, uh, named Simon Tam who ended up bringing on a piece of cargo uh, with the vessel, and uh, it contained his fugitive sister, River Tam. Yes, and should be noted, these are both bona fide genius people. Right. They are bona fide geniuses, and the if one of them is of a... Jane. Yes, very much. <laughs> and if they are running from the Alliance, there's something big to be found there. Right, so uh, River... So Simon's very, very smart. I mean, to the point of... Um, gifted smart and he even says that his sister makes him look like an idiot child yes so that should give you an idea of how these characters are perceived by the rest of this very motley crew well um so river uh, played by uh summer glow yes who's also done a bunch of other good stuff i yes. like her as an actress quite a bit um she was accepted into this alliance school and it ended up being kind of a front for um, experimentation to make we, what we think, anyway, or led to believe psychics. And so they messed with her brain. And uh, her brother found out just by, like, reading letters that she would send home, which were heavily screened, that something was going on. And he arranged, he used basically his family fortune and his name to be able to spring her from this Alliance camp. And then he um, absconded with her to, uh, and got on Serenity. And that's kind of how uh, they came to be aboard. And because Mal had fought in the war and hated the Alliance, um, he was willing to shelter them. Yeah. He's like, hey, you're running from the Alliance too. We can work this out. And he needed a doctor. Right. And so uh, Simon came on board as the doctor. Yeah. And... That is that is the cast, and I am shocked how well all nine of these people interact with one another. Yes, it is truly a testament to how well ensemble shows can work, and it's why it's a shame that most of them don't work out as well for the long run. I think this cast would have. They all play off each other very well, and like you said, I think they all get... Pretty fair amounts of screen time, yeah, I think barring so book. Yeah, book didn't get quite as much. But even the moments, like the little moments we get with book are still good. And I think as far as, especially as Mal's character goes, since he's pretty much the main protagonist, I talked a little bit earlier about how Serenity is literally the embodiment of the life he is making for himself. But the crew is the embodiment of the family he has made for himself. And that is why this show works so well. It's like, because yes, they're friends to an extent, but mostly they're crewmates. But they argue and bicker more like a family than anything else. It's like, oh, these people are all related, even though they look nothing alike. That's how they interact off each other. And you see them gather around the common dining table often, you know, sharing a meal. And... Um, how they interact even around the table. It is like family. And even even to the one point where um, Jane kind of was laying into Kaylee about um, liking the doctor and uh, got a little crude, and Mal basically sent him to his room. Yeah, no, that was, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good moment right there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I agree. I think it is very, very family. It's like, uh, it's like, oh, this is your weird cousin, but we all still love him, even though he's got quirks type deal. So that's always nice. And there is a uh, spacefaring it, it, ray, I'll call it a race. Um, they're kind of altered humans uh, called Reavers. And as Jane puts it, they're the bogeyman. Yeah. They just kind of come out of nowhere and raid, uh, raid places and, um, how did how did Zoe put it? They will uh, rape us to death, sew our skin into clothing, and then and and kill us, or they'll kill us 
and oh. then rapists and so are skin into her clothing and if, and we're, if lucky, we're lucky they will do it, do it in that, that order, order. <laughs> yeah. yeah so they were um they were being built up to be the um you know the, the really bad scourge of the yeah. of the universe and i think at one point i don't remember if it's something river says or some some other like side comment about them but it's implied that once you're a reaver your soul is kind of gone like there's nothing in you that's real like there's no coming back from that if you're a reaver there you're not a human you have decidedly moved past your human stage of life and now it's just reaving till you die and okay so we've talked let's so let's talk about why the show was so good we've kind of already talked about how the ensemble worked um and i'm also going to say that storytelling was a huge part of this show and why it worked so well for a show that was as botched as you said it was the show as a whole is paced very well because you mentioned earlier that like a lot of the a couple of the episodes especially they work well as standalones if you can tell a standalone story in an hour-long episode and still have it feel like part of a collective whole. That is how you do good pacing. Obviously, there are shows who will do like, this is part one of an episode and this is part two. But um, another really good example of this, and it's also kind of relevant right now, is um, Avatar The Last Airbender also does this really, really well. It has a lot of episodes that work as standalones, but also as part of the greater whole. And that is how you make good television. And so many people, I think, just... I don't know. I feel like they don't get that as much. Our entire household would sit down and watch the new episodes of Avatar as they came out. I rewatched all of Avatar recently. I mean, I do that every year. I make a point to rewatch Avatar. We every didn't year. all sit down and watch Korra though. No, we after season two, we were like, oh, okay. <laughs> I want to. I do want to see all of it. Eventually. I do too because I heard it got better. Yeah, I did too. So, uh, especially season three, I heard the villain was really good. Okay. Um, the so when I'm talking about storytelling, it. You know, like you said, the pacing was very good. Each story added a little bit to the overarching uh, storylines. And there were so many Easter eggs to be found in this show. Uh, for instance, uh, there was a episode called Out of Gas where a particular part broke in the engine. And, that, and they needed it to survive. In another episode called Ariel... Wash and Kaylee are scrounging through a junkyard and Wash picks up a piece of metal and just heaves it. But if you look close, it's the part that they needed and out of gas. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't notice that until you said it, but they do throw a lot of things in like that, that I did notice in the episode. uh, What was the one with um, the bounty hunter? Objects in Objects in space. So in that episode, um, Kaylee and Summer are playing River. jacks, you know, right. right. So Summer Glau, so River. Um, they were playing jacks, basically. You bounce the ball, pick up jacks, and catch the ball. And River was looking at the ball, and it was kind of all mottled in different colors. And at a different spot in the episode, there was a planet that they showed that it looked exactly the same as that ball. Yeah. So It's a little stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, another show that does stuff like that well, Breaking Bad. Like, yes. if you enjoy Breaking Bad, you'll enjoy little moments like that in this show, too. And, uh, and also, they were able to tell a singular story, for instance, the train job, and introduce a character and then pick up that thread in a future episode, in this case, War Stories. Yes. And make it seem... Very seamless. Yeah, that, that's why self-contained episodes are good. People who think it's like having an episode going over like four episodes, like that has to be earned. You have to have those singular episodes that stand out like that before you can justify the existence of something like that, I think. So that's that's kind of the overview of the show. So let's talk about our favorites and least favorites. So there were 14 episodes um the um so serenity was actually the the first episode that was the pilot that they showed out of order and so they ended up starting with the train job but um so they're in order it's serenity the train job bushwhacked 
Shindig, Safe, Our Mrs. Reynolds, which we just watched not too long ago. Yeah, it was like two or three days ago. Uh, Janestown, Out of Gas, Ariel, War Stories, The Message, Heart of Gold, and Objects in Space, which were the two that didn't get aired. Yes. So, which is very sad. Single tier. Um, you know what? Before we... Before we do episodes, let's do characters. Okay, we can do that first. Which, do that yeah, because we've been talking characters anyway. So yeah. Okay. So, who was your favorite? Um, I had Mal down alone, but we talked about Mal and Zoe earlier. I have Mal and Zoe both. I it's really hard for me to pick because I'll talk Zoe since Mal's the more obvious choice here. But Zoe, I think, is underrated just because she's always kind of like yeah i'm here by the captain's side i pretty much always do as he says zoe's got a lot of really underrated lines i think her comments are just like they just kind of slide in and slide back out and i love that about her so much and half the time they're so deadpan yeah and and that's my sense of humor i am the driest most sarcastic deadpan person running around the hospital in ariel and the doctor's given Mal what for, and all of a sudden the doctor just goes rigid and yells and falls over, and so he's got the paddles, and after he falls on the floor, she's just looking at him and says, clear. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And then uh, there's one scene where uh, Mal's about to get in a bar fight, and, and he's like, oh, you ready to come at me? And he's like, no, I was just waiting for her to get behind you, and then Joey just <laughs> wails him. Uh, it's so good. She just she pulls out a lot of good moments that I think are very underrated, and she also has a lot of moments with the rest of the crew more than I realize. Like, uh, she and the Shepherd and she and River, and uh, the only one I don't think she interacts with that much is Anara. But I think Anara has enough moments with everyone else. That Not as much with Simon, either. Yeah, but um, through River, I think she gets a few Simon moments. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think she's... Also, she's a great example of how to do quote-unquote strong female character she never i don't i don't ever feel like she can't stand on her own in a scene even if she's benefited by having mal or summer sorry river so you got me doing it see what you did (laughs) i was i was just fine and then you did that her river or book uh obviously she works well with them and and with wash her husband their relationship is so cute by the way i love it but um she can stand on her own very well. I honestly wouldn't mind reading something where it was like her story before everything that happened. I would like to know. So uh, the episode where uh, it might have been the pilot where she kept telling Mal that something was a bad idea and then they did it and she got hit with gunfire, knocked down, but her vest stopped it. And Mal was like, well, you're right about this being a bad idea. And she's like, thanks for saying. <laughs> so, yeah, she's wonderful, yeah. honestly. Zoe is not appreciated. I like all the characters. Uh, yeah, just, yeah let, we should go without saying none of them are bad right, so. as much as we've raved about them. Um, okay, my favorite. Uh, it's not even a contest. It's Jane. <laughs> <laughs> I, and b- believe me when I tell you. I understand that Jane is not a towering intellect. <laughs> oh, no. Honey, no. But he is a riot. I laugh out loud almost every time that he comes on screen because he is such an idiot. He is just a brute. But at the same time, he has a soft side that you don't get to see a lot. When uh, there was an episode where Kaylee was wounded and... um Everybody was very concerned about her. You didn't see Jane that way, but then a pullback showed him outside of the hospital room, looking through the window, checking on her, making sure she was okay. And I mean, and he would still write his mom and that kind of thing. And she sent him his cunning hat, which I have one of. Yes. My father has a cunning hat. So if you see him wearing it in public, you will know it is my father and I wearing do wear his it cunning in public, hat. Very proudly. Man walks down the street in that hat and you know he's not afraid of anything. Damn straight. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yeah, Jane is absolutely my favorite. Um, he's got, in my mind, he has the best quotes in the show. And he's just uh, he's just a ball to watch. 
So, uh, okay. So how about your least favorite of the main cast? Of the main cast? That's so hard. Um, I guess if I had to pick a least favorite, probably Simon, just because I think if the show had gone on longer, we would have gotten a little more with, I feel like a lot of the plot threads he specifically was going through were cut too short by how short the show was. I think he could actually, I think he would have been closer to the top if the show had gone on longer, but I don't know. I, I guess I don't like how unfinished some of his stuff felt. See, and I liked Simon as a character. I like I mean, all of yeah, them. I yeah, think, I was saying literally none of them are bad. Um, but I, I'm going with Simon's sister, River, yeah. and kind of for the same reason. She was there for a very specific reason, and it made all of the crew fugitives. And you know, there was uh, she was obviously going to be the catalyst for their big story. Yeah, but because it didn't get to finish. She was just like a lead weight tied around them. The, the Really, the big story that I thought that she got to shine in was one of the ones they didn't show. It was Objects in Space. Yeah, Objects in Space was... A, and uh, Safe is a very good River Safe Simon is, episode. Yeah, that is too. But, uh, yeah, I think that both of them were a little shafted by how short the show was. And that's not their... And it's not the character's fault at all. They're both still great characters. Yes, it's literally just the fault of how short the show ended up being. Um, all right. So now let's talk about our favorite episodes. Okay. So um, go ahead. Mine is definitely the pilot. The pilot is, Stellar. it also has the benefit Stellar. of having another half hour on every other episode. It is an hour and a half long, but you know, everything you need to know about these characters, this world and the adventure they're going on by the time the hour and a half is up and it is engaging the whole, it doesn't feel like half an hour. I'm sorry. An hour and a half has passed it feels like you saw all this in uh, the normal hour that the show gives you. And it's remarkably paced, remarkably told, and you love these characters by the half hour mark. It is just, I, I don't know what to say other than that's how you do a pilot for a show, right? And that must be why Fox decided not to show it first, right? Well, how dare they? <laughs> I mean, it's not acceptable. Exactly. Everything you just said. It explained the universe, it explained what was going on, it talked about the war, it introduced the characters, and everybody got on the same page, which is exactly what a pilot is supposed to do. Yes. So let's show it last. Uh, okay, see, still salt leaking out. Yeah, say, he was there for it, I was too. Yeah. So he has the right to be more salty than I am. Okay, my favorite episode, um, not by far because there's so many really good ones, is War Stories. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. And I will also say this. War Stories would not be my favorite if it weren't for the train job. Because, as I said, Niska, the the uh, character, the evil guy that we met in the train job that sent them on that job, um, also showed up for some revenge in War Stories. And so there was a lot of continuity there. If it hadn't been for the train job, Janestown would be my favorite yeah. episode. Janestown is also by far the best standalone episode, and everyone can fight me on that, all Firefly yeah. fans. <laughs> you can watch, J even if you've never seen the rest of the show, that episode is just such a good time. It's funny, it's well-paced, and, like again, it's one of those episodes where like enough is told to you that you don't need it to be spoon-fed from the episodes before, but it's nice having the continuity there also. So now I'm going to go first on my least favorite episode. Okay. The train job. Yeah, same here. Uh, that's uh, So the worst episode for me, and, and again, it's a good episode, but the worst episode for me is the one they start the series with. And But again, because of that episode, War Stories is my favorite. Of all the episodes, I will also say of the train job, similar to the pilot, it does exactly what a second episode should. It doesn't live up to the grandiosity of the pilot because the pilot was so huge mm -hmm. that so much happened in such a short amount of time that it was just go, go, go the whole way through. Train Job showed what happened when it was a more day-to-day, -day, when the big stuff was not happening. And like you said, it set up other episodes really well, right. which is always a plus. And it also has one of my favorite lines, uh, and it's 
almost a throwaway line and Simon goes and asks Kaylee, he's like, what are we doing today? And she just says so gleefully without any shame, crime, oh, crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Like, and, he, and he's like, all right, I'm not into this, but all right, crime. And she gets moments like that in a lot of episodes, like when Anara comes back and says, so what's going on? Oh, well, we killed Simon and River and we, yeah. I mean, just, you know, she gets yeah. those kinds of things yeah. a lot. It's yes. a lot of fun. Crime. Okay. So, um, so your least favorite is also the train job. Yes. All right. Who's your favorite bad guy? Oh, Niska. Niska? Niska is, and I don't, I like Badger's personality more, but as a villain, Niska is just so freakishly sadistic. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes him the better villain. And he was coming back again. Oh, absolutely. Because, uh, spoiler alert, he didn't get snuffed in war stories. Oh, yeah. No, definitely not. <laughs> so, um, and, and I liked Niska as a villain. Yeah. Badger is my favorite. Badger is. He's got a lot Badger's of personality. Badger's got a lot of personality. Yeah. I think eventually they would have killed off Badger at some point. They may have. I would not have been entirely surprised if that had happened. And I, I honestly think with the sadistic isn't it as like I said, as Niska is, he would have found like a really bad way to go to like, it would have been like a whole revenge thing or whatever. But um, yeah, I like both of them a lot. See, even the villains in this show are good. Even the ones that are there for like one episode. And these two are a little longer lasting. Yeah, they came back but, for a few. Um, but even the ones that are just single episode villains, like the one in the pilot. Um, oh God, what's her name on Persephone? I'm, I had it in my head. Now it's gone. Um, she was the one who st- was trying to stiff him for the money. Oh, um, yeah, I can, I can literally name? see her face. Um, patience, patience. Patience. It was yes, patience. That's it. Just, <clears throat> sorry. Cord. Yeah. But. So, um, all right. That's our favorite bad guys. If you had to have a love interest out of the show, who would it be? Um, I, I actually wrote down two because I have a preference and the one I think would be most likely with me as a person. Okay. So preference, it's obviously Mal. Nathan Fillion is a beautiful man and he's <laughs> so he's a great character. I love him to death. I think most likely with my personality, it would be Wash or maybe Kaylee, one of the two. <laughs> I think that right. um, those personality wise, we gel the best. But if I had a preference, I would choose Mal. Okay. Um, it's easy for me. Mine's Kaylee. Yeah. I, I just love her to death. And I will say that the scene that she got in the, in the pilot episode with the strawberries made me a fan for life. <laughs> so, and, uh, I know that, uh, your uncle Rich, he loves, um, he loves Anara. Oh, Anara's gorgeous. And she is gorgeous. Uh, but I think Kaylee's more my speed. Yeah. So. Um, all right, next, let's talk about notable quotes. And I know you've got a billion, the the show is full of them. I had to stop. I wrote down five and we already quoted a couple, like just that were not on this list. But, uh, so personal favorites. Um, if someone tries to kill you, you try and kill him right back. Try and kill him right back. That was Mal. Uh, yes, that was Mal. (laughs) Uh, we got to go to the crappy town where I'm a hero. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from next, our next time we got to go to the crappy town where i'm a hero yeah that's uh yeah that was wash uh there's a <laughs> uh, looks like we arrived just in the nick of time what do you think what do you reckon that makes us so big, big damn, damn heroes hero, sir ain't we just <laughs> um this is something the captain needs to handle on his own no no it's not no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then zoe's like oh, oh and then, <laughs> and then uh Mercy is the mark of a great man. Then he stabs a dude. Guess I'm just a good one. Stabs him again. Well, I'm all right. (laughs) So so um, many good ones. I have to stop there or I'll keep going. Yeah. And if wishes were horses, we'd all eat steak. steak. Yeah. (laughs) That was definitely a Jane one. Yes, that was Jane. Um, I I couldn't put any Jane quotes on there because I just keep going. He's got too many just on his own. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um. And uh, another good Jane quote also, uh, the chain of command is a chain I beat you with to show you who's in rotten command here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, anyway. So we obviously love the show. Yes, as All right. is hopefully here, evident. Here is our uh, official rating. 
Um, and again, we go by the Jello Apocalypse rating system. Yes. No decimal points. No and, decimal points. Whole numbers out of ten. Six is the first. Six good is the first good rating. rating. Five is just a movie. Yep. All right. Um, and where are you? I am. I almost gave it a nine, but I have to give it a ten because it is a show that someone should watch for one reason or another. I think if you were telling someone, it's like, all right, 15 TV shows you need to watch before you die because of one reason or another, I think Firefly would be on that list, and that's why I think it deserves a 10. Okay. I am also at a 10, and I don't give a lot of 10s. Yeah, no. um, You especially are... And I, I'm kind of in the same camp. So here is here's what really here's what really tore it for me. Your uncle Rich came up with a uh, concept ages ago, and I fell in love with it. And it's called your all time top ten list. Everybody has top ten lists. They have top ten lists for I everything. I have lists for everything. Exactly. Uh, Watch Mojo has top ten four times a week. Everybody's got top tens. A lifetime top ten list is. A list that once you put something on it, you can never, ever, ever, for any reason whatsoever, take it back off of the list. Which means that once you've decided that it's on your list, it's there for life. Firefly is on my lifetime top ten list for television shows. Yeah, I only have three on my lifetime top ten list right now. And it's and so yeah. you're kind of one ahead of where you ought to be. Yeah, at this I know, but I, uh, you, you'll know which ones they are as soon as I say them. Firefly is there. Yep. Avatar: The Last Airbender is there, yep. and Breaking Bad is there. Okay, so I I haven't put either of those on the list yet, but they are under very strong consideration. Um, the reason Avatar specifically is on there is because, as far as animated shows go, it's. I think even in the future, it's going to be really tough to beat that. And I will give myself the requirement of at least one animated show in my top 10. So, um, do you know, do you know what's on your movie top 10 lifetime list? Uh, there are only two. Um, and the one is the first how to train your dragon movie. And the second one is the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. I knew those. So my, I only have three, so I'm a little behind. Um, and so I have, the uh, I have Schindler's List. Oh gosh, that movie. Yeah, yeah, about it. Yeah, uh, Gone, Gone with the Wind. Yeah, and Blade Runner. The first Blade Runner. The first Blade Runner. Yeah, for the yeah Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott, all that. So yeah, yeah. And is Firefly the only show on your TV top ten, or do you have another one? Right now, Firefly is the only show on my TV top one. ten. Maybe I was thinking of your movies. You had more than me. So. Yeah, I need to catch up some. Yeah, that's fair. Um, All right, so um, what else do we need to talk about? Um, the only other thing I really want to mention is that if you're interested, please watch it. And yes. if you enjoy watching it, they are still writing novels that take place that's in right. the canon universe. And they are also releasing those novels on audio. Yes, so we've, we've talked about the benefits of books versus audiobooks. doesn't matter which one you like. They are available. If you end up loving Firefly as much as we do, or maybe not as much because we really love Firefly, but, you know, enjoying it. <laughs> and we've talked about Gen Con before. We went and they were releasing the Firefly Oh, yeah, there's a Firefly board game. We should, when, we should have mentioned that. When, but, when, we were, when we went to Gen Con and they had, I think, 200 or 250 600 advanced, copies. 600 advanced copies. And they copies. sold out in six minutes. Yeah, it was 100 like, copies it was a less minute. than 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. and they, they, they kept one for a raffle. And that was it. Every other copy was sold within six minutes. But we got one. Oh, yeah. We did. But I don't think we got it at Gen Con, though. I thought we had to wait. Did we? I think so. We might have ordered it while we were at Gen Con. Okay. We might have placed the order while we were there because we were like, hey, we don't want to get behind on this. But I don't think we got it at Gen Con. I thought they were sold out before we got there. So anyway, gang, um, very worthwhile show uh, as... As badly it was hand- as it was handled by the network, it's uh, certainly worth your attention on Netflix, DVD, however you consume your your television. And I will also say that as unsatisfying as the ending of the series was, uh, they did try and give it some closure with the movie Serenity. And it w- and it didn't do a bad job. So. The movie was still solid. Give it a go and let us know what you think. Yes, please let us know what you think. Please tell us you watched it. So. Um, is that all we're yeah, about think, for now? I think that's all we and got. Seeing how 
We've gone for about an hour. We'll close things down. Uh, We appreciate you all listening. I'm the past. And I'm the prologue. And we will see you all later.